Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. Here with Benji for possibly the worst mountaintop finish in a world tour race, maybe any race in cycling this year. The parkour design of Tour de Romandie this year is horrific. Uh, having this stage before a mountain time trial blows my mind and we had something similar to the Algarve mountaintop finishes for you which was just dreary as well but luckily you can listen to us talk about it if you want to watch it as well double trouble 180 k's from Aigle where I think the UCI live and that's why there's two Swiss world tour stage races and there's just like medium mountains connected together all day, 10K, 7%, then two 7K, 6% climbs put together. But the final climb, it's 30Ks of climbing, but it's like 7K, 6% flat downhill rest, and then 6K, 7% downhill rest, and then 4K is 5% to finish. So with the Mountain TT tomorrow, no one's going to send it and a bit of a headwind, I think, as well. But how do you even describe this climb, Benji? Like, how could you even approach it as another team? Because, like, I'm trying to explain why I think it's bad design. Because if you pace really hard the first bit, people will just come back on the descents. Yes, certainly. You need a team that can continuously put pressure without losing time with that pressure on the sections in between. And that's very hard to do. You need a proper team with that that can perform that pressure and there's no team in this race that has that pressure to put Yumbo in a situation where they're thinning out their team to just Dennis by the time they reach the final uphill section that's just not happening and Yumbo also knew that that would be the case at the end of the stage and likely came into this race with the idea that they were going to take control from the bottom and do a tempo that Dennis can take on and that can also kind of stop the attacks from coming. But attacks did come, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. So next to that, I want to throw it back to you first. What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, just no good, particularly when we don't have like Bahrain are not going to ride all for one rider because they don't know who's good. But yeah, um, we'll get into the breakaway in a second. Before that, mission our show partners with the online cycling platform that makes training fun. Whether you're trying to just get a bit stronger on the bike for your weekend rides or preparing for a grand tour like MVDP or Cavendish, there's something on Zwift to help you get fitter and have more fun on the bike. Zwift has real-world and fantasy locations to ride in, hundreds of workouts on demand, training plans, a packed calendar of group rides and races, and even the ability to create your own meetup. If you want to check it out, if you haven't yet, head to Zwift.com down below and use the free seven-day trial. Yonizagira Benji, he got in the break with Knox, Van Hocher, 
I thought the break had a bit of a chance today. Like, why didn't they get more of a gap? Well, because there were riders in the breakaway that are close in GC. Colombo was on 33 seconds, the Swiss national team guy. And oh, really? obviously, Jumbo has to go in the breakaway, well, has to control the breakaway then to make sure that the breakaway doesn't take enough time by the end of today's stage. So the same damn story we've had for multiple days now. There were people close in GC in that breakaway, despite it being a rather large one. Again, we've had... Uh, Latvians in there, but this time around they were a bit further in GC already, so they weren't really the problem here when it comes to the breakaway neutralizing themselves. But in the end, this breakaway really didn't get too far, although Izagiri was in there. That's something I found intriguing because he was on time because of that uh crash in stage, whatever, one or so. And eight to one. Yeah, exactly. And therefore he had the uh lost time that allowed him to get into a breakaway, but he was then ruined by riders in that breakaway that neutralized it for him. So not the most fun day for Zagiri as well, knowing that most likely in the breakaway, that breakaway gap went to like five minutes max and then went down from uh, that point onwards in the last 100k, just went down and down and down. And you know that was going to be a peloton situation at the end. Then we spoke about the final climb already. Uh, Nothing happened on the earlier climb, so it's all coming down to that final climb. And like I said, Jumbo was taking control from the bottom end. They had a uh, four-man train, I think. Heis Lehmreis as the first man, then Hesink in the wheel. I think then Kuss, then Kreiswijk, and then Dennis. So five men in that train. Lehmreis with a proper solid job keeping that up for almost the entire first like stair section of the three-step staircase that this climb is. And did you expect Jumbo to take it on like this? Or do you think that... You think it's like a good strategy to take it on like this? 100%. Dennis is a time trialist. He wants a smooth, manageable tempo. None of the other teams have strong enough teams to do anything uh, unless Luis Leon Sanchez turns and co were in magic form and made it would pull for Caruso or vice versa. So none of the other teams could do anything. Yumbo could set the exact pace they wanted for Dennis and... Happy days, really. Like Ineos had what Lawrence de Plus, Plap, Hater dropped early, Thomas. They're not gonna, I mean, with Thomas losing time as well from the 20 second penalty, just nothing could happen. And that's the problem with this uh, climb. Teams we expected would try something O'Connor, I guess, but. He, again, doesn't have the team to set it up. It's not like La Molina where he jumped early and then it's just all climb and a short downhill at the end. So, yeah, nothing. And honestly, Benji, I don't really know. Like, they get to the flat between before the second staircase. I think Lamrise had done. Like, what happens there? Just the same again now with Kreuzweig and Koos? First hissing that to go for a bit in that valley, but it didn't last uh, as long as Lemreis did and as the next riders would do. And I think that Kuz was indeed the next one to do that. But I think during those Jumbo uh, pacing things, there was also like Pasher that decided to just go his way, just like do a bit of an attack on the left side of the road, 10 meters, and then realized, well, okay, this isn't going anywhere. What am I doing? And then went back into the peloton and dropped eventually. So that was a... Uh, interesting to see i was like okay Froome's still in this peloton but then i realized it was still 95 percent of the peloton so it's not a surprise that he was in there still 
And it just kept going like that. Yumbo controlling, Yumbo controlling, some riders going, some riders going. And we really got a proper attack once we got to the end of the second part, staircase of the stair, stair of the staircase, whatever. You know what I mean? The second section of the climb. And it was Aino Rubio from Movistar that decided to attack. And he had like a Movistar rider from the breakaway that was just getting caught. And perhaps they were planning to use that rider as a satellite rider, but he was done. He was done. He was not helping Aino Rubio. He just flew past and Rubio uh, used a tiny gap, which was not much more than 40, 50 meters initially, and continued that onwards. And he did that just before they got to like a uh, descent slash valley section in the climb, plateau section, whatever. and. At that moment, you know that the big group is likely going to have the upper hand towards you, but they also weren't necessarily trying to catch Rubio. And I think the reason for that is Rubio's on 45 seconds in GC going into the stage. He's on 10 seconds ahead at this moment. Like, whatever if he takes 45 seconds. If you're Dennis, who cares? And that was visible at that moment that they didn't really care about catching Rubio that much, although they probably could have gone slower, but that would have introduced new attacks, I dare to say. And next to that, Tomorrow's a time trial. The initial part is six kilometer flat. Rubio's going to lose a minute on that flat section alone. So again, they don't care like Yumbo. And that's when other teams started moving forward and started trying stuff and started closing down Rubio, right? Which uh, teams were interested in getting something out of the stage? Was it UAE? UAE, because Thomas had been dropped on the second staircase. Turns had been dropped, as well as Caruso on the second staircase, which was 5.9K, 7%. And according to Verona, they did at like 5.9 watts per kilo. So still a huge group. That is not nuclear watts at all for 15 minutes. And so it's just plap. The blues is gone. And as Benji said, UAE, Ayuso, the big boss, the real boss of UAE, sends Mark Hirschi forward and without him pulling, maybe they don't bring Rubio back. He does a big acceleration. He's then countered by Plap. And Plap, every time he attacks, he looks like he's in a gear that's like two, two sprockets too big. It's he's, he's attacking out of the saddle at like 50 cadence, winding it up. And that really brought Rubio back quickly. I think Plap, kind of like on uh, Jabel Jace. And by the way, the final staircase, 4K is 5%. Like, it's not a serious mountaintop finish. Um, and yeah, so there's a big draft benefit and he paid the price, I think, for going a little bit early. He had Vlasov moving up. Vlasov hadn't looked good. He'd slipped back on the second staircase. Uh, but now we're in this fast section. Higita's there. O'Connor's there. Geshka's there. Uh, so many riders were in this group. Uh, and as I said, Ayuso was getting... He should lead it out. Plap counters, and then Rubio's brought back. Dennis goes to the front, and he's like, don't like the look of this. Uh, I want a steady pace. Woods doesn't attack. Fulsang had been dropped, and it was actually Reichenbach and Pino Benji. They were both in the group, neither of whom pulled, really. Maybe Reichenbach or Pino late. Um, Plap went again. And then Sergio Aguita launched, like he did on Malau, I think, not Foyer. He crashed on Malau. No, crashed on Foyer, won Malau, was a chopper on both, did the same here. He's going clear. Alexander Vlasov on Borahan's grower closes the gap to his wheel and fills in that gap with Ben O'Connor and Ayuso behind him. <laughs> if you let the wheel go, Agita wins this by like three seconds plus, easily. 
uh, and then Vlasov, left-hand bend, of course, Igita in, incapable of riding in a straight line, sees Vlasov coming, veers out to the right, like when he crashed Foss in Veltrahargav, bike throws, Vlasov's trying to beat him to the line, starts celebrating, I think because he thought he was about to nail Igita on the line because it was a curved finish because he celebrated at Indorain when Bargi beat him, so he's got form for this. But Agita beats Vlasov after deviating into his own teammate in the uphill sprint, the only sort of entertaining part of this 20-man group sprint at the top of allegedly the Queen stage. Agita taking it over Vlasov. Ayuso Benji's been calling. He was good again, third. O'Connor fourth, he'll be disappointed not to get bonus seconds. Pino Woods made a Reichenbach, Geschke, Verona, all on the same time. Dennis Plapp. The two TT Australians lost three seconds. Kraus Kreuzweig Rubio. Am I is my reading of this wrong, Benji? Am I being too harsh on Vlasov because he made it out afterwards, like he was celebrating for the teammates one-two? Yes, the only like counterpoint I have is that he like stopped sprinting a bit before the line already, and that's the only thing that is viewable in this situation that would tell me perhaps he knew and was secure that. Higita was winning. Perhaps he was like, okay, Higita's winning. I can't steal this now. And perhaps last minute or last second, he decided not to steal it. And therefore, he was still happy and celebrated still. That's the only counterpoint I see in the situation. But both is possible. In the end, like, we can joke about it all we want. It would have been embarrassing if Higita crashed Flazov out. But at the moment, they've got a result of a 1-2 in GC. Now, if I was the Bora DS... I try this. I don't know how effective this would be, but I would straight up, like, sorry, Higita, but I would go to the UCI commissaire's office. I would say, Higita tried to, like, deviate into Vlasov. He should be relegated just so that Vlasov gets four seconds more in GC and is closer to Dennis. Haha, 9,000 IQ plays. Uh, yeah, I think Higita, like, I agree. Like, when you look at the GC now, after this stage, Vlasov would be in second. He's currently third, 18 seconds behind Dennis. Igita's not in the GC picture. He's like two minutes back and will probably struggle in the TT tomorrow. So it will be pretty funny if Vlasov misses out on winning all the podium tomorrow in the TT by four seconds. He's already missing out on second by that amount because, uh, yeah, Agita tried. Agita's a menace, man. I know. I did a video on this. Uh, you know, remember when Jungles crashed him out in the tour? And it yep. was Jungles' fault. Like, he he veered out suddenly way too far. I, I get that. But when I looked at that for the video for it, Agita the, the, being there made no sense. He pulled out of third wheel in the pace line and then went where other riders would be chopping off to come back. True. And it, it just made no sense that he was there. And Portugal menace, <laughs> and he nearly crashed his own teammate here, which is pretty <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but yeah, not the best stage, but uh, entertaining at the end. I think really when you look at uh, – I, I got nothing against Reichenbach and Geschke, but they're on the same time in this finish. I think that says all you need to know about this uh, Queen stage. And I think – Romandy is really, I know I, I go on about it a bit, and last year it was mainly because I was being cranky because this was the last race I did in Australia before visiting, no, coming to Andorra on the Giro first rest day. But what's the point of Romandy 
It's not a Tour de France prep because it's too far away. It's too close to the Giro, so there's no Giro contenders here. There's no sprinters tuning up. What is it, Denji? It's just not a World Tour worthy race. It's as simple as that. It's deserved its World Tour classification ages ago, and because of tradition, it still has it, and it shouldn't. And yeah, it's not a good parkour. It's also not a race that attracts the biggest fields in the world. It's not like a terrible climbing field either, but it's also not a field that you'd want to see in the likes of actual proper world to race. It reminds me of Tudor Polonia in that sense as well, where Tudor Polonia is very similar. It's also not a preparation race for the races that come after it in world tour, and therefore it's not intriguing enough. And there's a lot of world tour races that I'd like to see on the calendar, and Tudor Romandy is one of those. I would still like to see this race existing, but as a dot pro race perhaps, because there's dot pro races out there, plenty that have a better feel and a better vehicle than this race has. But uh, in all honesty, I also want to add that shout out to Luke Plapp, and not because like he was in the finish and so forth, but he's the only person that decided in that second group to feel the, the sadness we had as viewers that nothing was happening in the stage, and he offered up his own chances to catch Aina Rubio and at least give us a sprint between two Bora riders. So I see Luke Plapp as the MVP, as is the reason that those Bora riders could even sprint against each other in the first place. Platt was 41 to 1 to win the general classification of this race last night, which was just outrageous because Alan obviously watched Catalonia, mm-hmm. where he basically did in a road stage a time trial. He started the stage first climb, did a time trial up the climb, got in the car. Well, tomorrow from the UCI headquarters, I think. Maybe that's an indication of why this is a World Tour race, Benji. It's from the Centre <laughs> Mondial de Ciclisme Eagle, which is yeah near the UCI headquarters, to Villar. Um, 16K TT. It's flat to false flat uphill for the first four and a half, five kilometres, and then a 10.2 kilometre, 8% climb, which is steady, which Rowan Dennis will be quite happy about. The first two and a half K is 8.7%. Uh, that is road bike territory but the flat section is too short to merit a bike change or starting on the tt bike can someone ask tom dumoulin that knows him would he do tomorrow's tt on a tt bike i do think you know yes. him, Benji? i don't know him personally like he I lives in sp- belgium does he i didn't even know that like i don't <laughs> know my neighbors here let's be honest about it i speak english 75 percent of the time now so <laughs> but uh yeah, to be honest, uh, about this time trial, I think that I've only really got two names on the list right now that could win this time trial. And probably there's going to be someone else winning, but I'm looking at a Yuzo and Plap as a two riders that could win this time trial. And mainly because while Vlasov has a decent TT, I, yeah, the flat part in, at the start perhaps could hinder him a tiny bit. Higita's definitely not getting that. O'Connor could have a, uh, it's, yeah, nah, nah, I don't see it. You know, I don't see it. Uh, Mater had a third place, I think, on that mountain time trial in Swiss last year, but he hasn't had the form he had last year in, like, this year, but he's getting better, it seems, at this Romandy. So perhaps he could get a better result at this mountain time trial than we are expecting, but those are kind of the three names together with Dennis, but is this climb too hard for Dennis, or do you think that the steady gradient will help him out? If it was 6%, I'd pick Dennis any day of the week, 5 to mm-hmm. 
Um, now, he did lose a bit on the punch at the end today. What does that mean for a 30-minute TT effort? I'm not sure because um, he's such a good time trialist. Again, Maida, I tried to find the intermediate split for Tour de Swiss TT last year, which is the last uh, mountain TT, even though it had a descent in it, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it because I wanted to see how Dennis went up there, uh, although he's in different shape and motivation, it seems, here. But, yeah, Maida's a good shout. Clap, I think, again, it's probably even a little bit steep for him. I think he prefers 6%. Uh, to be really, really ideal. O'Connor, I think, is underrated a little bit here because, let's be honest, like him and Haig are not good on the TT bikes, but here they'll be on the road bike and they, he's good at doing his own tempo like we saw on La Molina. Caruso dropped Benji. That really surprised me. I thought he was going to win tomorrow. Well, to be honest, uh, we shouldn't have rated Cecilia as high necessarily i'd say to say because like he won sicily but it's still sicily against vincenzo nibali who's been relatively washed and that comes from a nibali fan like myself so yeah i would have said caruso as well for gc after sicily but ah after today for the time trial tomorrow i'm not seeing it i um i'd love to see either plap or Uzo win it's as simple as that like uh i want to see plap win because he's been like half working for people this entire romany and like, only it looks like he accidentally fell into the leadership role because Thomas wasn't good enough today. But they probably had in mind that he was the backup leader here. I would dare to expect. I'm just looking, according to PCS, and I know there's first cycling will have um, the Herald, no, not Herald, the Tour Down Under Santor Festival of Cycling. This is his like, this is his fourth professional stage race one of which includes that 2-1 Circuit South. Like, he's come from the track. He's done – it's not like the other riders. He's done no racing in Europe. That's stage racing. And so his rate of progress is insane. I think Ineos have to be very, very happy with him, uh, particularly how he's climbing. It's just ridiculous uh, in UAE and now here. So I'm agreeing with Benji for once. I want Plap to win the stage. For and- once? Yeah. For once? I'm <laughs> for sorry? Once. Well, no, usually, usually I go first and you disagree with me for the entertainment. <laughs> Shannon, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bale's effect. Yeah, Plap GC, Plap stage, takes it home. Good week for the Antipodeans with three Kiwis in the top seven yesterday. The what? Antipodeans. You I've never up, heard that you? word in my life. Yep. All right. Are you so finished on the podium, GC? Yeah. Okay. Ayuso should be Tour de France co-leader. I've been saying it for a while. Anyway, Mountain TT tomorrow in Romandie. I kind of like it because they're so rare. Uh, thanks to Swift as always for supporting the podcast. Benji and I will be, I'm going Monday morning. We're flying to Budapest. And then we'll be recording the Giro preview show on location, in person, either Monday night or Tuesday. Technology, depending. I think Hungary has the same plugs. Someone can check that for us, uh, whether I need to bring different adapters. <laughs> I don't know. I've got Australian plugs for everything, so that's still a problem. Uh, and in other news, unfortunately, AVV hurt her wrist uh, in a training accident. She broke it, I think, or fractured it. But yeah. she's a cyborg. She'll be on the trainer probably as we speak. And 
she's got the ability to win the Tour de France Femme with a broken wrist anyway. We saw it at that uh, yeah, Imola true. World Champs where she got second or third, something like that. Second, because Elisa Longo-Borghini got relegated for chopping her into the barriers when she had a broken wrist or whatever it was. Yeah, thoughts with AVV, but I'm sure she'll be back. No problems at all. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll see you with the Romandie Mountaintop Time Trial recap tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 